as we go to the Lord in prayer, the altars are open. Feel free to come down and pray here if you'd like. Men, I want to invite you to prayerfully consider going to Men's Encounter with me. It uh, was a life-changing event for me, and uh, I think it could be for you as well, February 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So pray about that. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Lord, I praise you. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I praise you. In your hearts right now, just praise him for who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. If there's anything that's on your heart now that you need to make right with the Lord, of any, any sin that's standing in the way, confess that to him right now. as we make our hearts right with you we have concerns Lord we live in an anxious world with a lot of things going on around us but in your word many places you have said that we don't have to be anxious we can have peace in every situation and it all starts with praising you. As we do think about others, Lord, uh, there are several families that are grieving right now. We think of the Rumbaugh family, the Whitley family, the Parker family. You're probably sitting here right now thinking of others who have gone through loss or going through uh, hard times. Just lift their names up to the Lord right now. And the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself, can bring peace to them. Jesus told us, peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Lord, we ask that as we put you in front of us all the time, Lord, 
that we experience this peace because we are with you. Lord, I pray that you will prepare the men's hearts that are going to men's encounter. As those who are praying right now, whether they should go or not, that you will uh, let them know that, that you will encourage them to uh, uh, seek you out in any way possible. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to come teach us through Brian and give his words are your words. Amen. Happy New Year. Come on, it's a new year. Happy New Year. There we go. There we go. Happy New Year. I have not seen any of you since last year. Somebody said you got to say that. It's a cheesy pastor. Okay, that didn't go over too well. Not a good start. It's good to see everybody. We're glad you're all here. To our regulars, to our church family, I'd ask you to give me a moment to talk to those who are our guests. Our guests, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. When you walked in the door, you got this worship guide. It's a pretty cool thing. All stuff that's going on. On the back are these notes. We're going to go into God's word together, and there's a little outline back here. But to our guests, too, this Connect card is really important to us. We'd love to at least have a name and an email address, and that way we can reach out to you after today's service and, uh, and just check with you to see if there's anything we can help you. If you're here visiting or even navigating a new church home, we would love to be part of that. And so Men's Encounters on here also and like Skyler was talking about let's see Steve Steve's here stand up and Galen Galen's back here Galen 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 right there hands up if you want to sign up these two guys can help you sign up uh, it's an amazing uh, encounter on the weekend that's why they call it men's encounter women's encounter also pay attention to those but those two guys can help get you signed up and I'm going to talk a little bit about life groups as we go along the way I also want to welcome those online with us thanks for being happy new year to you all too and I want you to turn with me yeah new year so we're going to start out I know it's like seven days in already right or six days whatever it's like it doesn't feel like a new year but but it's the first time we have worshiped together and so I'm excited to start this new series with you and so I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament it's a big book there and uh, we're going to start right there in chapter one so if you turn with your paper Bibles or your electronic Bibles and get ready there in chapter one and let's pray let's pray for the Holy Spirit as we got a new year in front of us let's pray for his help today to guide us to what we need Holy Spirit we pray that as we go into the God's word together as we go into a whole new year together a whole gift of a year ahead of us that we pray that the words from the book of Isaiah jump off the page at us for only you reveal what they mean to us and only you can change our hearts so going into a new year we're kind of excited would you just give us malleable hearts right now give us a malleable mind to receive the word but when it settles in our heart let this be the action that comes out of us that this church body thrives in a world that struggles and is dark and the light that's in all of us so help us see that in here because this series especially the first two sermons are deep and so Holy Spirit as we go into this depth together I'm so thankful we have community as we go into this together help us and guide our hearts as we look at the truth 
and please change our hearts as we go. Let nobody leave here unchanged. Amen. So as we go into this new year together, I always like the first week of January, and many of you know me really well, so why? Why is the first week of January one of my favorites of the whole year? <laughs> you know me, come on. Those online, you can type it in, you can guess. Why, why is the first week of January so big to me? Come on. What's that? Conference? basketball thank you see there's somebody knows me basketball starts back up and so I'm really excited because basketball starts up conference play is going on here we go high school all kicked in this week uh, for those of you who maybe didn't know I refereed basketball for 34 years I just retired three years ago and and it's just it's a big part of my life so I still love I don't regret retiring I, I miss it a lot but I remember one game, this game was really influential, young, in my, I was a young official then, not that I'm not young now, but anyway, it was like, it was a sub-state final, and it was a gym where you could not, we had to go to a starting gun, because it was so loud, you could not hear the horn, and it was up in Concordia, two of the best teams playing against each other, and we're set up for the last shot, eight seconds left, tie game, and I have, I'm what we call the center official, that means I have last second shot, it's all mine to make sure and so the ball comes in bounds it kind of it's a bad pass the ball spins around a lot of time goes off the clock because it touched somebody and all of a sudden everything took off and I'm running down the court trying to keep pace with the play and this kid just comes roaring and he gets behind a three-point line he misses a three-point line by maybe a centimeter and goes up in the air goes between two guys defending doesn't touch them coming back down to the ground he releases the ball it is a centimeter off his hand when a horn goes off so he shot a three-point goal from about 14 foot and that ball goes up the place is roaring and I got my three out here this means that it's a potential three-point shot so I signal he got off it got off his hand like so close and I'm thinking at this moment as I put three up here to say if this goes they win I'm thinking my career today either goes in the tank or it gets really better but it will never stay here and he hits it and I just pop it three, and the place goes nuts. A thousand people literally wanted to kill me, and a thousand people were so thinking that was the best call they've ever heard their entire life. <laughs> and we go running out with security, and we get out of there, and so you know, I got it right. Amen? <laughs> so my career actually went this way, so that was, that was good. But I was thinking over all those years, I refereed 34 years since I was 18. On average, we did 50 games a year. And so you add all that up is that I would have experienced about 1,700 basketball games in my career. And here's the truth about those 1,700 basketball games is that there were 1,700 winners. No ties. I did my job. Somebody won every game. But what's the converse of that? There were 1,700 teams that lost. And an interesting thing about when you see loss, when you see a game loss, it's very emotional, we're so competitive. But the one thing, I, especially when I'm refereeing a team early in the year that uses, loses a game, is that normally what you see is that they also either are gonna usually commonly get worse in loss or they're gonna learn from that and grow and get better. But most teams don't stay where they're at. Most teams don't stay where they're at. And it's interesting is I'd ref them maybe two, three times a year to see which direction they went. And that was a really interesting concept, the principle of basketball is normally we get better or we get worse when it comes to loss. 
And this sermon today, this sermon series actually, the one thing that we all have, I, I love preaching because this one me meets every one of us today. The one thing we all have in common is that we will experience loss. Every one of us. So I'm preaching to everybody today. And chances are we all experienced loss last year. Now loss happens in literally thousands of ways. But I want you to help me because I think it's good to talk about this. How did you experience? And those online, you can, those on Facebook Live, you can type it right there. But how did you experience loss last year? I want you to share. I'll repeat it here so those on online can hear with us. How did you, ex what's the loss that you experienced last year? Don't be shy, we're all family. Loss of a loved one. Loss of a loved one. So, yeah. So when we go after loss of a loved one, we know we're going after the number one thing. This is probably the deepest loss, the most significant loss, the hardest, right? Loss of a loved one. And we had a number of, of losses this last year. And as Skylar prayed a little earlier, we had three funerals just this week inside our church family. A lot of loss, right? And so, yeah, our hearts are still with those who lose. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's let's call that the elephant in the room. Let's march him right out because that's the hardest one. What other ways we lose? Loss of relationships. So we can look at, that's a really good one. I got a whole list here. So we can look at breakups. We can look at divorce. We can look at things like that or just anger, frustration, family dynamics, breaking down, loss of relationships, a hard one for us because we're made for, we're gonna talk about that. We're made for relationship. Good. Another one. So, loss of children, moving on, next stage life. So let's put this in a whole category. We are a unique church. We have military families here. We have college students and graduate students, and we have families sending their kids off, and we become, like you guys, empty nesters this year, right? And that's, that's, that's a loss, right? And, and we say goodbye to about 25% of our church, I think, in about five years. We turn over a core of this church because of military. And we're so thankful they're here. And I'm so thankful for Facebook because I get to be friends and watch them through life. It's kind of a neat connective. But we have to grow all the time as a church just to stay where we're at. And so, yeah, that's the, I hate, I mean, it's been a while since we've been empty nesters, but I hate when people leave. We're, but we're so thankful for the relationship. We're so thankful for the new friendships. We say, God, bring them. Bring them here. Well, we get them for four years. That's our mantra. We get them for four years. Let's grow and let's send them back out. Another one. Loss of self. Does that, did I catch that right? So explain that for me. Loss of self. I think I know this, but I won't. I won't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Loss of identity, loss of self. Identity is a big one. So we, we talked in the first service about retirement. Like sometimes we can kind of lose our sense of purpose or identity. Uh, sin sometimes can really help us, can really help us, <laughs> can really, it does, it pushes that, that we lose our identity. Our identity becomes something that we're really not, like maybe an addiction or maybe a struggle or, yeah, we can lose ourself. Absolutely. Others. There's a bunch. Loss of job. And so, so a lot of us go through career changes, sometimes not only just loss of job and, and instability, maybe sometimes changing jobs and instability changes, or welcome to the new guy on the lower rung, right? Or the new gal on the lower rung. You gotta start all over. I was a pro, and now I'm a rookie. And so you start all over again, and there's loss. And you have to regain again, right? It's good. Man, you're hitting all my lists. This is really good. Others? Health, Health thank you. Big one, health loss. 
sometimes we encounter health loss that doesn't change, right? There's damage that's done and we don't, we don't have a, a change there and so we have health loss. We have um, another way is just aging. Uh, we lose strength. We use, lose vitality as we age. Um, Paul says in the Bible, right, our bodies break down, our spirit actually gets better. We grow stronger but there's that loss. Um, and also with loss of, uh, of strength and maybe vitality is loss of uh, What's that word? Memory, thanks. <laughs> Just seeing if you're awake. Just seeing if you're with me. Good. Any others? You guys are nailing it. Like you almost hit my whole list except one. Loss of a pet. So could we just spend the rest of the sermon talking about Pets have souls, right? They gotta be in heaven. Lord, does, I mean, they just grow so close to them, right? And I'm not sure the theology of all that, but why? Why do we melt? I literally melt down. And then we're like, we're never gonna get a pet again. And then we buy one in three days because we just can't have that absence, you know? Yeah. Another one that we haven't hit on is loss of confidence and hope. Anxiety and fear just knock us back. And so we lose those things, right? So yeah, so I, I think it's really important to understand in, in this topic today that loss is inevitable. Loss is in, inescapable. And I want to give this strong argument that when we encounter loss, and we will, we all have, and we will, is that we won't be the same. We won't, we're either going to go one direction or the other, but rarely do we stay where we're at. And so it's important to talk about now, well, which direction do we go, and how do we so here, here's our first sermon note together here on the back. Um, thank you for all that. That's really good. The Bible is full of significant loss. The Bible is full of significant loss. You know, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the very first part of the Bible, God's creation, do you know in Genesis 1 and 2 there is no loss? There's no such thing as loss. God's design never designed us for loss. There's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no sin. There's, in the garden, everything was perfect. There was no loss until chapter 3. In chapter three, you get the forbidden fruit. You got, you got everything, everything that man needed, yet we want after something else. And sin enters the world, and then there's nothing but loss throughout the whole Bible, all the rest of the way. Not only do we see it in Genesis, but we also see it in Psalms. If you read the Psalms, which are amazing poetry, mo uh, many of them are about loss. And if you go to the book of Lamentations, it is a book of loss. And if you go to the book of Job, it's a whole book of the story of personal loss. It really blows up in the first two chapters, and then you got 30-some chapters of in that loss before you ever see God show up. Huge story of personal loss. You've got all the major and minor prophets in the Old Testament warning or living in loss. And that's where we're going to be through this whole series is the book of Isaiah a major prophet in the Old Testament who, you know, a prophet is a spokesperson for God, a person that God chooses to speak to the people and speak to the nation. Isaiah had a huge job. Most of his was warning about loss. Guys, we're on a bad path. If it doesn't change, we're going to experience massive loss. And so let's go to that. Isaiah chapter 1. Here is kind of a taste of, of a lot of the loss that's talked about in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter one, starting in verse two. Again, he's speaking the words from God. He says, listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, 
And even a donkey recognizes its master's care, but Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They're evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and they've turned their backs on him. Now look at all the loss that comes. Look at all the loss that comes. Why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts, and infected wounds without any soothing ointments or bandages. Your country lies in ruins and your towns are burned Foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes and destroy everything they see. Beautiful Jerusalem stands abandoned like a watchman's shelter in a vineyard, like a lean-to in a cucumber field after the harvest, like a helpless city under siege. Ah, that's heavy, isn't it? I just feel so bad for Isaiah. He always had to deliver these hard, hard messages, you know? And Isaiah's forecasting here. He knows they're on a bad path. He's forecasting what's going to happen. Israel was suffering as a nation. They're kind of up and down. Good kings, bad kings, but it was progressively getting worse. They're experiencing loss, and what he's saying is you're going to experience devastating loss if we don't turn us around. Your head is injured, your heart is sick, you're bruised and infected, and you don't have anything left to heal you. There's no bandages, no ointment that's going to take care of this. And it's interesting how progressive it is. Your homes are a mess. Your community is a mess. It's burned down and the nation is lost. It's at every level. And what's really interesting a lot of times as you read through the Old Testament and Israel is going on this roller coaster ride and they get really low and are really suffering loss, they commonly scream out this one question. Do you know what that is? Where are you, God? And that's blame right where are you God why have you abandoning us and that's the wrong question the right question is where are we where are we let's go to Isaiah 59 starting in verse 1 the problem and loss is not found in God listen to this it says listen Isaiah is saying the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call it's your sins that have cut you off from God so he just goes after it we're crying out where are you God he's saying where are you God's arm can never fail to reach you God's ear is always present. He's talking about God's presence. He's always here. Where are you? And so if God's not to blame for this, then what's to blame for loss? Well, take a look at our second sermon out together. Loss is a result of sin and judgment. He brings it out in verse two. Loss is always a result of sin and judgment. Now let's break these two down. Let's talk about them a little bit. 
Loss is always because of our sin, our direct rebellion against God. We're going to lose when we directly rebel against God. When we choose to go out of relationship with him and go chase something else, we're going to have loss. That's why I say, where are we? He didn't move. We did. And so sin is as we pursue those things that aren't important, aren't good. They're outside the boundaries that God has given us to be healthy in relationships with him, and we chase those. And we wander farther and farther away from God chasing these things. And then we ask, we scream, where's God? Well, where are we? He never left. His arm is still there. His ear is still there. His presence is still there. So there's a sin of what we commit. And then there's a sin of the world. Uh, the sin that entered in, in Genesis 3 actually corrupted and broke the world. And so we have natural disaster. We have disease. We have these things that maybe aren't a direct result of our rebellion and stuff. But they're here because the world's broke. So sin is at the result of all loss. But also judgment is part of loss. Loss is an issue of judgment. When we decide to get so far away from God and our sin is deep and painful, God responds in love. He acts. And he corrects us and he disciplines us to bring us back. So in his judgment, and most of the time people are so fearful of God's judgment, they're so fearful of his wrath, they, both of those things operate under the umbrella of God's love. God desires relationship with us all the time. And just like we discipline a child that could really hurt themselves, God will move and discipline the people he loves to bring them back. I'd rather God said you suffer some loss than suffer ultimate loss. And that's the loss of me for eternity. And not only is there direct action or judgment by God when he says, let me intervene here. You're getting so far away. Let me yank you back because I love you that much. There's also natural judgment, what I would call natural judgment. God's design of this world was put in motion. Our bodies and everything were put in motion. It's a perfect design and there's natural consequence when we go outside those barriers. It doesn't always God saying, hey, here, knock it off, come back. There's times when I go out and if I punch somebody in the nose and they punch me back, that's a natural consequence for breaking a relationship. In God's design, there's consequences just natural that happens because we end up breaking the design and then we suffer. And God allows that to say, whoa, 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 now you see. But the ultimate thing about loss is not really the sin, it's not really the action, it's, not the, it's the loss of relationship. Not only with God, but with others. And so we get this bad narrative out there that, that God's response, he's this angry white-haired guy that sits up there just waiting for us to step out of line, and he loves zapping us or getting angry with us or wrath and judgment. It's not the God of the Bible. Isaiah points this out in chapter 22. He says this, he says, uh, these are God's words, Isaiah 22, 4. That's why God says, I said, leave me alone to weep. Do not try to comfort me. Let me cry for my people as I watch them being destroyed. That's the heart of God. Not the angry white hair guy. The God of the universe weeps when we have loss. The God of the universe is present with us always in loss. The God of the universe weeps for us to turn back, be forgiven, so he can restore us in relationship. 
So your third sermon note, important one, our loss is God's loss. This is about relationships. So when we have loss, he has loss. That's the God of the Bible. If I bring this up a number of thousand years from back in Isaiah's time and talk about today, there's a dominant narrative out there today around us that our nation and world is a mess. When I hang out with our older population, which I'm becoming part of or part of, <laughs> this is a dominant thing that's on their minds. Our nation and our world is a mess. Substantial loss. And so you know me, I just like glancing through the headlines. I just pulled up. As you know, a few days ago, we had another school shooting, and they're so routine in a small farm town in Iowa. And we just move on. The loss numbs us. We, it, the, the dominant narrative in all the news was our democracies at risk, our elected leaders at the highest level can't get along at all, and where's our, where's our nation going? And you read about the war in Gaza, it's so bad that they believe Gaza is now uninhabitable. Missile strikes in Ukraine, so forth, and, and as you heard today, I want to be really sensitive, this family's here, we went through three funerals this week as a, as a church. Three families we walk with, loss, loss, loss. Imagine how God weeps, still today. And he weeps not because of the action or the error, he weeps because the breaking of relationship. So that's it. That's how we start a New Year's sermon. So you're telling me that we have a broken, unfixable world and we have broken, unfixable people. Just suck it up. <laughs> no. Fourth sermon note. Let's flip the script. Loss is flipped by holiness. So let's talk about loss. So how do we change this? We do have a broken world and we do broken things. So how do we change this? Well, loss is flipped. The script is flipped by holiness. So Brian, what is that? Well, let's talk about what holiness is. Holiness is about relationship. The closer I get to God, the more that holiness is in me. Holiness is looking more like Christ every day. Holiness is staying away from sin, not because I'm worried about the penalty of sin. I'm worried about what it does to my relationship. As I grow closer to God through Christ, I want that, I, I, basically falling in love with him more and more, I don't want to sin. I don't want to do those things because it hurts my relationship with him and it hurts my relationship with others. That's holiness when I can recognize that and the Holy Spirit's tearing me up. Holiness is becoming more like Jesus every day. That's sinless. The less I sin, the less loss there is. Holiness is knowing how much, no matter how much our sin and broken world hurts our relationship between God, and it is repairable, it's restorable. And so holiness says we live differently. Holiness does mean set apart. God says, I am holy, so be holy. We carry his image.
holiness when we say it means set apart it means not living like the world but it's not a holiness that says oh look at us we got it it's a holiness that says oh look at us let me introduce you to our Lord let me introduce you what you're really missing out on and when we live differently in holiness loss is dramatically reduced because we live right we take away the things that cause the damage but not only that, not only do we reduce loss that way, but we also walk through loss that we can't change, that's coming. We walk through loss differently because we know who we love, we know who loves us, and we know our ultimate destination, and we know he fixes all things. We have incredible faith and holiness, so we navigate loss so differently. And with those three funerals this week, you're at the peak of that, of navigating that loss. And navigating with hope and joy instead of suffering and pain. So yeah, loss is flipped by holiness. Let's go to Isaiah 35, 8. How important is holiness? Here, this is really cool. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named what? Say it. The highway of holiness. Isaiah says, this is what changes us. In that deserted land that we destroyed in our sin and suffering, there's a road that goes right through it that changes. It's a great road, the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It'll only be for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk on this road of holiness. What he's saying is that you're a fool not to. There is this road, there is this path of holiness, you know, and, and one of the ways, guys, this is so important to us, but a small commercial break, in about two weeks we're gonna be launching our life groups, it is the number one way that we change is we do it in community. How do we grow in holiness? We do it together. We sit down together, we go over the Bible together, we look at life's issues together. We have 30 some life groups that will fire up in a couple weeks and we'll start announcing them this week, but this is one of the ways we grow. It's like we just don't show up here on Sunday and say this is it, we grow all week together. We grow in holiness. This is how we pursue. It is really hard to find holiness on your own. God gave us church. It's community for us to grow in holiness together. All these groups are so important. And there's a big group of you who just join in every time and say, what's the next one? And there's some that just don't connect. And I don't know how well you're growing, but God's given us a gifting of all of us to grow together. It's the beauty of community. So let me really encourage you, when these groups fire up, and they fire up every semester, join, come back, be the church during the week, grow together, we will find this holiness together. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works through all of us. And this path of holiness is a new path for us every day. This is a path we don't recognize because it's so new. Every day when I walk in holiness, I'm on a new journey in undiscovered ground as he changes me. And so let's go to Isaiah 42, 16. In the midst of all this significant loss, God responds. This, this is gonna pick us back up today. This is what God says in 42, 6. He, he tells Isaiah, tell him this. I will lead blind Israel down a new path. Guiding them along an unfamiliar way. I will brighten the darkness before them. I'll smooth out the road ahead of them. Yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake, abandon. 
them. Um, I just can't imagine how jacked Isaiah was to get these words. <laughs> to say it's, it's a new path holiness is. It's new to us because we're being changed into something that's much different than this world every day. And so it's unfamiliar to us. And it's amazing. And on this path, God says, I will remove the darkness and it'll be the light to light their way. And I'll smooth out the road. You know what that means? I'll take away the loss. I will indeed do these things, God, I will never abandon them. So our sermon series is called New Year, Same God. It's a new year. We're gonna experience some things this year. But it's the same God who's always there, always taking what's broken, making it better. Always guiding us to this new path. The first two weeks of this sermon series, like today with loss, are gonna be deep and they're gonna be a little tough. It's okay because this is real and this is life and this is what happens. But there's this pattern throughout the Bible. So here's our teaser about the rest of the series that gets really exciting as we go. The rest of the series, it's all about this pattern we see throughout the Bible. It starts with loss. Let's look at the first part of it. It starts with loss. And then once we experience loss, what we're going to talk about next week is really important. is grieving. If we don't move through this step of grieving, grieving is where God takes our heart and, and helps us get it back in position so he can do the third thing something new this is the pattern of the Bible we try to deny loss we try to deny grieving we try to skip points but God says when you experience loss there's a time that we were gonna we're gonna hate what this does the relationship we're gonna move that grieving and then then I will have a heart that I can do something new so come back next week as we go through the next part Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Isaiah that can actually, we can talk about hard things and not be afraid of them. Father, loss is a tough subject. But to know that we can reduce our loss by staying within the boundaries and relationship with you and knowing even when there is loss you'll lead us through it so Father thank you for the encouragement at the end here as we go forward as a church we need each other because there will be loss this year but we will grow in holiness and we'll get better as a church and we'll impact the world better as a church because we know what's going on. Father, I pray of encouragement for those who have experienced loss this year. We pray again for that healing and restoration. We'll talk more about that next week too. But a special hand of peace and joy and comfort on them, especially our families in the last week too. They've suffered loss. But Father, rise up our church to change, to live differently, to walk down a different path that every day we trust that that new path 
is perfect. It's going to be unfamiliar to us every day because you're changing us to be more like your son, and that is not natural in our world. But it's very natural by your design. Encourage your church. Let our response to you today be an offering that's amazing. Let us give our financial gifts as we leave here today to support the mission of the church to do the things that you're doing through us, to trust each other and impact the world. Also, our time, our talent, everything we do this week to go out and be in a world that is suffering loss and help them make a difference. So rise up your church today. Let our offering to you be our best response we have. And we pray this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen.